Hey, welcome in everybody to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. We're brought to you today by DraftKings. Get up to $200 in free bets by depositing and betting just $5 at DraftKings. Now available here in Kansas and in throughout states around the country. You can always interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bono's Show is our handle. You can search for Coach Bono's Show on Facebook. You'll find our page there. And you can always email us at Show at gmail.com. This is episode 55.5. Usually on the point .5, I'm joined by the legal counsel of the Coach Bono's podcast, Ellen Winginter. But unfortunately, due to some issues that I've had with scheduling for the last couple of days, we're not able to work it out. So it's going to be just me kind of a Coach Bono's rants, uh, doing my thing today. But we'll have Ellen back on next week on the Point Five. Uncle Rico will join us on uh, Monday's pod, which will actually come out on Tuesday as we record that Monday night to get all the NFL action in. I want to start this week with, I was Thursday night lucky enough to go to the Chargers-Chiefs game uh, at Arrowhead. And I know that a lot of folks... Got to watch that on Amazon and see that. I didn't get to see any of the Amazon stuff, so I'm going to hold back my impressions on that, obviously, until I get a little more viewing of that. I've heard some positives. I heard only a couple small negatives, but uh, I wanted to check on that. But overall, my inclination on watching the game, it was a really competitive game. It was a compelling game, and I thought both teams played I don't think well is the right word. The Chiefs' offense certainly didn't play well. Um, Mahomes didn't have the explosive numbers he had week one, which we we thought that was going to happen. And Herbert had what ended up being the difference in the game, the red zone turnover on the the interception, which was taking back 99 yards for a touchdown. Uh, But here's what my, my real conclusion from the game is. These are two really good teams. And this is your next new rivalry in the NFL. You know, we had, you know, the Patriots and the Colts when you had Manning and Brady. We had the Steelers-Ravens where you had those tough, hard-nosed defensive teams, you know, in the early 2000s as well, where every time those two teams played, it was appointment viewing And you had to see it because you knew the game was going to be competitive and it was going to be well played. And I think that's what we got this past month on the Thursday night. Um, I was really impressed with both teams. I think it also shows that there is a hierarchy in the AFC West, especially after you see what happened to Denver on Monday night. But... I think that we see there are two teams clearly at the top of the AFC West, and that is the Chiefs and the Chargers. And I don't know which one's the better team. I don't know which one has the better quarterback. I don't know which one has the better offense. But what I do know is they are both very good teams. They're both Super Bowl competitors, and they both have chances to win Super Bowls right now. In the, this is the fifth game since Herbert was drafted to the Chargers. So that was in, it was in the early to the 2020 draft. Herbert's been the starter. 
Uh, this is the fifth time these two teams have played. There was the one game that Mahomes did not play when he was injured, and he played that game uh, for the Chiefs. That was the only outlier where the game was not decided by six points or less. These two teams are incredibly good. They are two of the three or four best teams in the league. I think Buffalo is with these two teams. I, I right now would argue the Rams are still with them, but I don't know anybody else in that class right now. Those are the four best teams. These two happen to be in the same division. These two happen to be extremely good. I thought it was a great game. I, I'm, I'm at the point right now where I could watch these two teams play every night. Give me a seven-game series of the Chargers and the Chiefs, and I don't think they'll give you a bad game. They're two prepared teams. The coaching's good on both sides. Both teams have got great quarterbacks, great young quarterbacks. Uh, both teams have a couple of dynamic playmakers. The Chiefs have Kelsey. The, um, the Chargers have Williams. you got good running backs with Edwards Hilaire and um, Austin Eckler. Uh, I thought Austin Eckler should have got more touches last night's game, but that's kind of nitpicking the thing. Both teams have good defensive pass rushes. And both teams, I think the Chargers' defense is probably a little better. But at the same time, the Chiefs' defense is the one that made the play that won the game. So I, it was exciting. It was exciting to be at that game in person. Uh, great atmosphere. Arrowhead is always great atmosphere. I know as a person who's not a Chiefs fan, quote-unquote, I give Arrowhead a little bit of grief and say there's no Arrowhead magic. I don't think there was really arrowhead magic in that play. If you watch the play on the interception, it's clear it was supposed to throw the ball to Eckler out of the backfield. And the Chiefs defense did such a great job of not letting the two receivers get out in front to where it would clear it for Eckler underneath that you have um, trying to throw the ball away. Herbert tries to throw the ball away. And when he throws it, he's trying to throw it away. He's trying to throw it low. A great play is made. It goes back 99. At the same time, you know, Mahomes throws a pick that ends up getting called back because Asante Samuel Jr. couldn't hold on to the ball. Uh, that was easily, you know, one of those big turnovers. One turnover in the game can cost you, and that's what it did in this game. Uh, incredible, incredible game. I would pay to watch these, these two teams every week. I would. I'm not a fan, I'm not a particularly a fan of either team. I just like that kind of football. Back and forth, two quality teams, well-coached teams. They play the games the right way. I know a lot of people on Friday now here are saying, you know, yeah, the Chiefs got the win, but boy, Mahomes didn't look as good. This is exactly what I was talking about a week ago. People are going to say that about Mahomes. And look, it is bullshit. He, he is not going to look good at times. But he's staying within the offense. In the long run, that is a better deal for them. It is a better deal for the Chiefs. It is a better deal for Mahomes. It worked this week. Letting the other team make the mistake is a big deal. And I, I think these are two Super Bowl contenders. I think if, again, I've kind of got my top four right now. If I had a power ranking, it would be Chiefs, Chargers, Bills, and in um, the Rams, I probably would have the Bills number one. And then I guess by 
the Chiefs winning the game, I'd have to put them two. But I'd have the Chargers three, and I'd have the Rams four. I, I think there's a huge drop-off after those four teams right now. And we may see more. We've only got through week one, and we have the first game of week two. But let's see what happens. But uh, really impressed with what I saw in that game Thursday night. I'm going to switch it up a little bit here. We're going to talk a little more NFL, but I want to talk about Lamar Jackson. Um, word came out, Lamar Jackson, in the, you know he's negotiating a new deal. He is his own agent. He is trying to get an extension lined up with the Baltimore Ravens. And I find it very interesting what's happened. So Lamar Jackson, the word got out that Lamar Jackson, prior to week one's game, um, came out and turned down a five-year, $250 million deal, which is money-wise equal to what Deshaun Watson got, but only $133 million guaranteed. Basically, the first three years of the deal were going to be guaranteed, and Jackson has said he wants a full guarantee. And what that comes down to is, for those who don't know, Deshaun Watson signed a five-year deal in the offseason after being traded to Cleveland. It was five years, it was 250, and it was fully guaranteed. And in that, they really the the, the Ravens uh, really kind of bid against themselves in the deal when they went in. I'm sorry, the Ravens. Um, I'm sorry, the Browns bid against themselves in that deal because they had made the trade, they'd given up so much, and then. They, you know, to get Deshaun to kind of pick them in the deal, they offer him a fully guaranteed contract. And we're hearing things now like teams are negotiating with these quarterbacks and they're saying, well, that one's the outlier. All the other NFL teams are really mad at the Browns for making that deal. Uh, For instance, we've seen a couple of contract extensions already this year. We saw before Watson, we saw Aaron Rodgers got three years extended uh, with a guarantee of $101 million, and he's getting an average of $50.3 million over his four years. He's now under a deal. It was a three-year extension. Um, Russell Wilson just got his new contract just before the game won this year, uh, a five-year deal at $245 million. not all guaranteed. I think it was the first three-year guaranteed in that deal. And then Kyler Murray, which we talked about before, got a five-year extension as well. 230, it was his extension, uh, 230 point, 230 and a half, so 46.1 annually. Wilson's at 49.5. Lamar is wanting right at what Watson's getting at 50 million a year, and he wants it fully guaranteed. Now, there's two ways to look at this. Um, there's some conflict here to me. Now, to me personally, I'm paying Lamar Jackson. I know some people don't like him as much as I do. I think Lamar Jackson is in that group of young quarterbacks, and I will include Mahomes in this. I will include Josh Allen in this. I will include Joe Burrow and Herbert in that group. These are, and and Lamar Jackson, these are the five guys, that if I've got a chance to have one of those on my team, I've got to have them. And I've got to have them for as long as I can get them. I understand where I, I probably wouldn't have made a deal with Kyler Murray. I don't know that I would have paid Russ as much as he's getting in Denver. 
he, he certainly is worth it. He's won a Super Bowl, but I don't know that I agree with what I would do there or what had happened there. I just, Lamar's a different cat. This dude's already won an MVP. I think last year till he got hurt, I think he was the MVP of that league going in. Um, I know a lot of folks, I mean, he is the difference maker. And they've put some things around him as far as behind the scenes. They haven't put as many pieces on the field with Lamar, but he still keeps making it happen. And, you know, week one, he turned. He had a great game in their game one. Uh, the Jets, they played the Jets. They won 24-9. They're going to come out and play the Dolphins this week. I fully expect the Ravens to play well. I fully expect Lamar Jackson to play well. I think we're going to see Lamar Jackson have a really great season. And he's betting on himself at this point. Now, where the Ravens could be thinking about this, and I haven't heard this anywhere, but I think it's an important thing to think about, is there's an issue with the CBA. Uh, the collective bargaining agreement says that if you give a player a guarantee, to guarantee that money is there, the team must set aside an equal amount of cash in escrow equal to the guarantee. Now, portions of that escrow are released as the player's contract goes down. So that makes it difficult for certain teams to guarantee a quarter of a billion dollars for a player. I mean, that's what just happened with Deshaun Watson. Now, the primary owner of the Browns is Jimmy Haslam, who has billions of dollars, and it was no issue for him to write that check, for him to put that money in escrow. But the Ravens' ownership isn't the same. The ownership in Denver is a new ownership, and they, they, put, they give Russ... You know, about $120, $130 million in guarantees. They could afford that, but they couldn't afford twice that. What's going to happen? You know, same thing happened with the Chiefs and Mahomes. You know, a lot of Mahomes' money isn't guaranteed, so that, that money that the Chiefs had to put in escrow was a lot less. What's going to happen now that Watson got the money? What's going to happen with Lamar? The next two after that are Herbert and Burrow. What are they going to do? Those are two teams that are family-owned. And they certainly don't have the kind of money to put a quarter of a billion dollars away. I do have a suggestion for all three of these teams, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Chargers. I would find an advertising deal. I go to somebody whether it's a local company that's got, you know, it's got a billionaire, or maybe it's someone that wants to buy a team, but maybe can't get in, but has a company they want to advertise. And you say, hey, escrow us the money at a guaranteed interest rate that you can make, and we'll give you X amount, million dollars in advertising. Maybe it's a patch deal, maybe it's something else, and then that money is released back to the company through the years of the contract. That'd be a great way for a small market team, like the Ravens, like the Bengals. The Chargers aren't small market, but they're family owned. It'd be a great way for those teams to get the money they need and to say, hey, this deal is brought to you by such and such. 
You know, whether it's a, a dot-com company, whether it's, I mean, whatever it might be. And have a company come in and do that and get that. Whether it's a patch, like I said, whether it's a patch deal, it's signage in the stadium. But have them put that money up, return it through escrow over the time period. Because the team's going to pay the contract. But that, to me, is a unique way of getting that escrow money, releasing it guaranteed back, and then their interest payment is basically free advertising. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. I think that's something that can be done. I don't think that's going to circumvent the CBA at all. And it would give the more family-owned teams an opportunity to hang on to a big-name player. Uh, just, again, kind of thoughts and thinking about that out loud. So... Uh, I do think we're going to see Lamar Jackson get a deal after the season. I think that he's going to have too good a year this year to not. Uh, the, the Ravens can give him a, a franchise tag, but now you're looking at it's an, a one-year contract where you can't, you can't go for any sort of a – no getting an extension done, and you're going to have to pay him equal to an average of the top three we know that's $50 million a year. Lamar and Lamar can have that. He can happen to him. He can get that one time uh, under the CBA, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I know that one idea kicked out there was Lamar sign a three-year deal fully guaranteed and then go into free agency again. It's sort of the Dak Prescott kind of thing. And that's not a bad idea, but Lamar's wanting five, you know, and I think you can get that. I mean, I think if... It's just too easy an argument to go into those teams and say, hey, I'm the quarterback, whether it's Lamar, whether it's Herbert, whether it's Burrow, to go in and say, hey, look, this guy got 250, and they can't put his name on any billboards. The NFL can't put his name on any advertising right now because Deshaun Watson's toxic with what's happened off the field. How much is it worth to your team to have a quarterback and to have one Proven as a commodity, and none of the off-the-field problems, which Lamar Jackson has never had an off-the-field issue. If there's anybody that deserves to get this money right now, it's him. I hope he gets it. Hey, I want to also bring up one of our great sponsors here on the Coach Bono's podcast, and that is DoorDash. If you've heard me talk last few weeks, we're happy to have DoorDash aboard Right now, if you go to our link in the show notes, you can get your new users only, can jump on DoorDash and get $10 off each of your first three orders. Now, you're going to ask me, Bo, I've had a DoorDash account for a year or two years. Hey, dummy, there's an easy way to do it. Clear your cookies on your phone or log on to a website and do it off a new email address or a new phone number and enjoy Three times $10 off your order from DoorDash. We thank DoorDash for sponsoring the podcast. It's a great way to get things done. I Like I mentioned last week, do this on Sunday. You're watching, stay at home watching football anyway. So why not just order some food? You don't want to cook. You want to stay home watch football all day long. I know this Sunday, I'm going to be sitting in front of my TV all day. I'm going to be watching the Saints in the noon game, the 3 o'clock. I'm going to watch Burrow and the Bengals. And I'm not going anywhere. I might be ordering some DoorDash. So thank you to DoorDash. Don't forget, click on the link in the show notes. Save $10 on each of your first three 
of orders from DoorDash, and we appreciate DoorDash for jumping in and helping us out here on the Coach Bonos podcast. Hey, another thing that happened this week was the University of Nebraska firing Scott Frost, the head football coach. It's surprising and it's not surprising at the same time. I, I think that Scott Frost was pretty much dead man walking at the beginning of this season. It was going to take Nebraska having an outstanding season for him to survive. He's come out so far, he did a 16 and 31 record. He was 16 and 29 coming into the season. They didn't look good at either of their first two games. And this week, I guess it was on Sunday, um, Nebraska says to fire Scott Frost. He gets a $15 million take-home check. I mean, $15 million to go away, which is really kind of cool. But here was what surprised me. It was the timing of it. Per their contract, Nebraska... Only had here's a fifteen million dollar buyout today, or as of last week. But at that contract, if it got to October the first, which is two weeks away, they saved half that money, seven and a half million dollars. So I started wondering why, oh any, why would you not save seven and a half million dollars, especially when you are going to have to. You know, pay for a new coach. You're going to ask for a lot of money from donors and boosters. Why ask twice? Why ask for $15 million to help you with the buyout and then more money when it comes to hiring a new coach, which you're going to have to pay out the nose for? I've, I thought it had maybe to do with some things with, uh, you know, where they were at in the season. They have a big game against Oklahoma this week. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they think if they get through this game, they got the next three are Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, then Illinois. So the next four games are kind of manageable for Nebraska. And I made a mistake earlier. I said Nebraska was 0-2. They're 1-2. They did beat North Dakota Week 2. Um, but after losing to Georgia Southern, they've chosen to fire um, Coach Scott Frost. And... I thought maybe it had to do with trying to get the six wins, thinking that, hey, the back into their schedule, they have Iowa, they have Wisconsin, they have Michigan, Minnesota's no slacker. You know, they were think, maybe they're thinking they got that little run in there of four games, so they're going to have to make a run at the table. What I've been led to believe from what I've, some rumors I've heard from some people in the know is that this actually doesn't have anything to do with that, more so of the coaching staff, the assistant coaching staff, having issues with Scott Frost, the administration having issues with Scott Frost, including some really damning things like him being late to his own practices, um, not making recruiting calls. These are some of the rumors that are out there. Again, I don't, these are not confirmed reports. They're simply rumors. But also, I guess another piece on why now before October 1st has to do a lot with the big game, Nebraska is playing Oklahoma. It is the big noon kickoff on Fox this week. And Nebraska not wanting to have Scott Frost mentioned during the game, knowing that he's going to get fired soon anyway. So they decided this is the last game before the first. They have a, um, Nebraska has a bye week next week. So with the bye week coming up, I guess Nebraska AD Trev Alberts talked to his money people and said, hey, what's more important? They're doing the calculus. They're saying, 
What is more important? Is it going to be not mentioning this coach on the, the, the biggest broadcast we're going to have all year, or is it going to be saving the $7.5 million? Um, that kind of thing. So I don't know exactly what um, the, the calculus was there, but I think that's sort of what they're looking at, and I think that the AD decided that, hey, it's better to part now than part in two weeks. I, I kind of understand that, and it's so hard. It's a difficult decision anyway being Nebraska simply because you bring in Scott Frost as the head coach anyway, a guy who was a, who won two national championships as a quarterback, and, you know, when you hire someone who had their glory as a player there, as a coach, eventually you have to fire them. And, you know, whether good or bad, eventually all things come to an end. And that just makes it so difficult. So it's not a, uh, it's not a great situation for Nebraska. And I'm not going to sit here and speculate and take any time on who's going to be the next coach at Nebraska. But I did find the, the whole idea of the timing a little bit curious. Now, usually right here, Ellen and I will be doing our DraftKings segment. We're going to be doing our picks each week, sponsored by DraftKings. Again, check out the show notes. You'll see a link. If you deposit at DraftKings now, fully available here in Kansas and around the country in a number of states, when you make your first deposit and then you bet $5 on any game, you're going to get $200 in free bets, up to $200 in free bets. Uh, take advantage of it. Use our link. It's a great way. We can thank DraftKings for sponsoring us today. We're going to talk a little bit about our picks. By proxy, Ellen has given me her pick of the week. Now, her, Ellen's pick, just for a quick review, Ellen is 1-0 last week. Ellen mentioned the uh, App State. She liked App State plus the point. I think it was like 16 and a half over Texas A&M. She even says she thought that A&M would lose the game possibly, that App State was someone she liked that could win that game. Big ups to Ellen because she was all over it. And that was an incredible call. As we know now, App State beat Texas A&M outright at Texas A&M, something I didn't see coming I kind of liked the points with her, but I didn't think it'd be an outright win. And now there's a lot of excitement at App State. So congratulations to App State. Congratulations to Ellen. So she's 1-0. I made two picks last week. I had both Baylor and BYU. Both were underdogs, three-and-a-half-point underdogs. I liked them both on the money line. Folks, I did bet on them both on the money line. Uh, lost them both. Um, BYU did cover. But uh, Houston did, or, um, yeah, Houston did not. So, uh, all right. So, if Coach Bo last week, I was 0 for two. I went money line on two dogs. I took uh, Baylor minus three, or I'm sorry, plus three and a half at BYU. BYU covered that at the six point win, 26-20. And then I also had Houston, who I had outright at plus three and a half. But Texas Tech didn't win the game. Houston did cover. So if you bet my underdogs to cover, you went one and one. If you bet them on the money line, for those who don't understand, the money line is where you're taking a team just to win the game. No points. Uh, sometimes it's great to do with the underdogs because you get a little better odds. 
Houston didn't pull off the upset last week, but they did cover the spread. This week, I'm picking two underdogs again. I'm taking one outright on the money line. I'm taking one plus the points. The first one, well, I bet against them last week. I had, I had Baylor against BYU, and I was mistaken. And this week, I am taking BYU. Uh, BYU is getting three and a half against Oregon. This is one of the only two games this weekend that are top 25 teams. BYU is number 12 in the country, having moved up 10 spots this past week. Oregon is just straight garbage. They're 25th in the nation. They're 1-1. One one. They did win last week against an Eastern Washington team where they scored 70 but they lost to Georgia in what could be one of the worst blowouts I've ever seen. If you look at the end of the season, this is a team that really, truly hasn't looked good since early last season. They had a big surprise win against Ohio State. Since that win, they've been just awful. I mean, they lost two huge games against Utah. They lost the bowl game to Oklahoma, uh, who was a team in transition of coaches. In uh, Miami, and to their credit, Oregon had the same thing happen with Mario Cristobal even. But they haven't played well. They didn't play well week one. I think it's just a, a horrific team. I'm not taking Oregon. I'm going the other way on that. I'm taking BYU plus three and a half. I think they can win it outright. I think they will win it outright. But my recommendation is take the three and a half. All right, next pick for me is definitely a homer pick. Um... I'm just going to acknowledge this up front. It's a homer pick. But I don't see how this is not the other way around here. Uh, I'm taking my LSU Tigers plus two, a home underdog at Tiger Stadium on a Saturday night in primetime on ESPN versus Mississippi State. Um, I know that LSU did not play well week one against Florida State. They still managed to come back and get in that game when they really had no business being in that game at the end. Uh, huge win last week for LSU. They scored 65. They were up 51 to nothing at the half um, last week against Southern. Mississippi State, who I know was someone that was kind of touted coming into the season. You know, It's always weird when you have teams like LSU and Mississippi State, Mississippi. They're kind of in the middle of the SEC West, and that schedule is just so hard. But Mississippi State started with a big win against Memphis. They went to Arizona last week, got the win, and they won in a big-time impressive manner. They won by 22 in Arizona. But this is different. I don't see how Brian Kelly is going to lose his first conference home game in Tiger Stadium against Mississippi State. I if he thought it was hard after week one of losing to Florida State, the, the pitchforks will be out if they lose to Mississippi State at home. So I'm taking LSU. They're getting two and a half. Uh, I think it's two or two and a half on DraftKings right now. I'm taking the Tigers outright and getting it done on the money line. So give me BYU plus three and a half. LSU on the money line. If you want, if you don't want to be adventurous on the money line, take the two points, a little insurance for you on that. And there you're good to go on my picks. Now, Ellen has given me her pick by proxy. This is Ellen's pick. This is not my pick. And I'm not sure. I kind of want to stand with her on this, but I'm also a little bit nervous on this pick. 
And Ellen went with a little bit of a homer pick, too. And she's taking the Kansas Jayhawks plus eight and a half. So she's, she wants the points at Houston. This is a three o'clock game. It'll be on ESPNU. The Jayhawks are 2-0, and coming off the big win at West Virginia in, over, uh, in overtime. It was a great game. And the Jayhawks are riding a really high momentum. They're 2-0. and uh, Jalen Daniels has looked great at quarterback. Uh, my guy, Devin Neal, has been dominant at running back. He had, I know he had a couple of great scores last week as well. I, I don't know that I'm with her totally on the pick because I think Houston's going to have the better horses. That's what I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid of, if I was going to bet it the opposite way, is Dana, Dana Horgelson is just a bad play caller. That was the whole reason Houston lost last week, and I was on Houston last week. Um, better horses on the Houston side for me, but I, you know what? I'm going to ride with Ellen on this. If Ellen says the Jayhawks are going to stay within 8.5, well then damn it, we're going to go with it. The Jayhawks plus the 8.5. Those are your picks. We may have a little bonus pick that you can get via our Twitter. It'll be at Coach Bono's show. I will share that Saturday morning. I will not share it before then. I got one more pick up my sleeve. All I'm going to tell you is they're a covering machine. But I'm not going to give it to you. Not here. I'm going to give it to you only on Twitter. So follow at Coach Bono Show on Twitter, and you can get a bonus pick this week for the DraftKings Pick'em segment. Hey, the last thing I want to get into, and this one is, it's stupid. It's This is going to be me getting on my soapbox a little bit, and this is going to piss some people off. But at the same time, I just can't believe how dumb this son of a bitch is. Have you heard about Brett Favre? Brett Favre is the epitome of a piece of fucking shit. I'm just going to come out and say it. This guy is a right-wing, conservative, dumbass, piece of shit of a human being. To me, Brett Favre was already the most overrated football player in the history of football. But what he has done, And what has come out in the past five days, if you don't know about the controversy, Brett Favre, who is from Mississippi, he's from Kilm, Mississippi. He's a a graduate of Southern Miss, and his daughter is currently a volleyball player at Southern Miss. Brett Favre, information has come out that back in 2017, there was a number of messages, text messages between Brett Favre and then-Governor Phil Bryant, that basically confirmed, there's already been some stuff about Favre getting paid upwards of about $1.1 million in uh, donations that were given through uh, basically the welfare fund for the state of Mississippi. It's called the TARN uh, Fund. And there's been some great reporting on this on Slate. Um, Mississippi Today had some of the stuff break this week as well. If you want to read more about it, read it out there. A lot of this stuff came out in the last few days. Again, I would refer you to Mississippi Today, the newspaper, as well as Slate Magazine with a lot of this. But in short, Brett Favre, through use of a not-for-profit organization, had dispersions from the 
welfare fund for the state of Mississippi that was then subverted through a not-for-profit organization to then fund a new volleyball facility for the University of Southern Mississippi. Now, we're talking about $5 million that was channeled out of the state's welfare fund. This is documented again. I'm going to send you to mississippitoday.org as well as Slate on this. And we see there's a big, there's already some big to-dos about this. Uh, there's governor's text from Brett Favre to the governor and back and forth. Brett Favre's already had to give back the $1.1 million he made um, as far as fees he received from the state in appearances and speeches he gave. Now we're seeing more and more about this. And I just want to say anybody who's willing to steal money and subvert money from a welfare fund is a piece of shit. Now, we know Brett Favre was kind of a piece of shit. I mean, we knew some of the stuff with, you know, the, the text messages with him and Jen Sturger when he was with the Jets. He always played a little coy with some of the things of when he was going to retire or not retire. He had a huge breakup with the Packers when he left the Packers. You know, I actually heard on Andrew Brandt's podcast this past week when he was discussing this, he talked about how there was a couple of times where Favre was supposedly in need of money. And that's why some contracts got reworked to cash Brett out some money up front. Um, the guy is not the most intelligent person walking God's green earth. Um, I think if he was in this room with me right now, the IQ level might drop off in half. And I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy in the world, but I think I got Brett Favre beat. I don't know how criminal he was involved in this, but it sure looks like he had a pretty big hand in where these funds were going um, you know, again, his daughter was involved with uh, University of Southern Mississippi with the volleyball program at the time. She, I'm, I'm sorry, I might have mentioned that she is. She was. She's no longer with the school. I think she's already left the school. But um, it, it's unbelievable what we've seen here so far. And to see some of this stuff, this is all part of how a not-for-profit leaders, as part of an ongoing investigation, spent $77 million in funds that were supposed to help the needy. These are the poorest of the poorest. And, of course, we get not-for-profit organizations that are run by some of these conservative, you know, nut job, you know, they feel like they need to get, you know, get paid less in taxes and get more tax breaks. And, of course, in doing that, we now see Brett Favre is involved in this as well. So fuck you, Brett Favre. You get our fuck you of the week. Great writing on this. I cannot do this justice. But what I will say is check out the two places, Slate and Mississippi Today. Learn more about how Brett Favre's a scumbag and stealing money from the needy in the state of Mississippi. I'm going to end there today. I know we don't have Ellen. I want to say thanks uh, for, for tuning in this week. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast. I want to thank everybody at Studio Soapbox for what you do behind the scenes, especially my main man, Tyler Jones. I'm on the Jones Report again this week doing Coach Bo's football fix. Check it out. I love hanging out with him and Tim and Tom Bridges over there. We had a great time again this week. Most importantly, I want to thank you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get the podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. 
So until Tuesday, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great weekend, and remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody.